So welcome to Epic, everybody. We're so glad to have you again on our online services. And if you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we are ending a series that we've been in over the past five weeks that's called The 5G Life. And it goes back to actually Easter. So on our Easter service, we learned that God is a very personal God and he wants a personal relationship with each of us. And in order to grow that personal relationship, there are certain things that we have to do on a regular basis. And we talked about those things being the five G's. We have to do at least five things to grow our relationship with God. The five G's are God, grow, gather, give, go. So God, grow, gather, give, go. So we start with God and that represents talking and listening to God through prayer. And then we have to grow by reading the Bible and applying it to our lives. And then we gather with other Christ followers to learn to live in biblical community. And then we give of our time, talents and treasures to advance God's kingdom. And finally, we go everywhere and tell everybody about Jesus. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today is the go part of the 5G life. Now, what I recommend for you today is that you take notes. Uh, We're going to be covering a lot of information today. So whether you take notes with pen and paper or on your phone or on your computer or your iPad or however you take notes, I recommend that you take a few minutes to get those supplies ready because again, we're going to cover a lot of information that will be beneficial for you to be able to come back to and look at later. Now, the primary command that we find in scripture for us to go is found in Matthew chapter 28. Let me set this scene for you. This is after Jesus' resurrection and before his ascension back to heaven. He gathers his disciples together and he gives them that one final command. It's found in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus says to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we do local missions. We do international missions because of Jesus' command to go. Now, I found that there's one problem with Jesus' go command there. And the problem lies in uh, God's followers who struggle with doing it. So there are too many Christians who don't go and tell other people about Jesus. And maybe we don't do that because we don't feel like we know enough, or maybe we're afraid that we'll say the wrong thing and push people away, or uh, that we're afraid that people will think that we're some sort of Jesus freak if we're gonna tell people about Jesus. So there's all kinds of reasons for why we don't do that. But today we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking about how to do that. We're gonna zero in on some of the key elements for how we can share our faith with other people. So if you're a Christ follower, what we're gonna talk about today is essential for your responsibility as a follower of Jesus. So Jesus, when he talked with his disciples before heading back to heaven and and gave us that go command, he didn't say, uh, if you feel like sharing your faith with others, then you go. He didn't say, those of you who have the gift of evangelism, you go. Now he said to all of us that we need to go everywhere and tell everybody about Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, that command applies 
to you as well. Now, if you aren't a follower of Jesus yet, what we're gonna talk about today is essential, not only for your life now, but it's essential for your eternal life. So today's message is super important for all of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not. Now, before we get started into this, let me explain why evangelism and why going and telling people about Jesus is so incredibly important. And as we do that, I want you to imagine a bridge that has collapsed. So imagine a highway bridge, like if we're going up I-95 here in Florida, going over uh, St. John's waterway there in Jacksonville. Uh, As you're going over that really big bridge, imagine that one day you're flying, you know, 80, 90 miles an hour up that interstate. And I know that, you know, you should be going 70. We should all be going 70, but we travel a little bit faster than that. So imagine you're going really fast. You, You get to the top of this bridge and you look ahead and you see that that bridge has collapsed and there's already cars that have gone over that bridge. And by God's safety, you're able to stop your car from going over the bridge. And then you look over and you see the devastation below. Now, here's what you know. There are thousands of people coming behind you at 80, 90 miles an hour coming up that interstate. And if someone doesn't stop them, they're gonna go over the end of that bridge to their death. So in a scenario like that, what would you do? Would you pull your car off to the side and and maybe get some popcorn and sit and watch everybody go off the end of the bridge? Or would you do everything you can to stop as many people as possible? Would you put your car out in the middle of the interstate? Would you run out and wave your hands in front of cars that are coming, trying to stop them? I think if we were in that scenario, That's what all of us would do. But I want you to think about this. We are all flying down the interstate of life and there's a bridge that's out. And if we don't find a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if we don't get on the bridge of Jesus that leads to heaven, and we're gonna go off a bridge that has collapsed and there's gonna be devastation and that devastation is eternal. And I want you to think about your friends that are in that spot your family members, your coworkers, other students at school, or maybe somebody else on a team that you're on. Those people, if they don't put their faith and trust in Jesus, they will go off the end of the bridge of life and there will be eternal consequences for them, eternal devastation where they live in a real place called hell, separated from the God who loves them forever. So would you be willing to do anything and everything it takes to make sure they have a chance to get on the bridge that leads to eternal life. I think evangelism is that important. This is a life or death situation. So Jesus told us to go, but where did he say go? Acts chapter one, verse eight records Jesus saying this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's like saying for us, those of us who live here in Flagler County, and if you live somewhere else, it would be a a different context for you. But for those of us that live in Flagler County, Florida, it'd be like saying that God wants us to go to Flagler County, to the state of Florida, to the United States of America, and then around the world to tell people 
about Jesus. So that's the context for us and wherever you live, that's the context for you. It's concentric circles, uh, going to the people that you know in your community, your neighborhood, and then going to more neighborhoods beyond that and then reaching ultimately to the ends of the earth. And as we think about going, I want you to think about going across. So just think about that word, across. For some of you, what that means is you may just be going across your house to talk to a family member about Jesus. For others, maybe you're going across the street to talk to a neighbor or across the office to talk to a coworker. Uh, Maybe you're going across campus to talk to another student or you're going across your state or you're going across the nation. Or maybe uh, when we get back to vacations and international mission trips, you know, maybe you're going around the world to tell people about Jesus. But again, Jesus said, go and go across. So we go across a room, we go across a street, we go across the world to tell people about Jesus and how he can transform our lives. I have found there are at least three main evangelism strategies. And I want to talk about those today. There's actually more than that, but I want to focus in on three main evangelism strategies today that we can use. Some are effective, some are not effective. The first strategy is called cold turkey evangelism. And it's a strategy that that freaks a lot of people out. Uh, because it involves just going up to somebody that you don't know and starting a spiritual conversation. And a lot of us think, well, that's the craziest thing ever. I'm not sure I would want to do that. I had a class in college that was an evangelism class. And that was one of the assignments was that we had to do cold turkey evangelism. And then we had to write a report based upon what we said, what the other person said, and we had to turn that in. I did that. And wow, that was uncomfortable. You know, I went up and had a conversation with somebody, felt uh, unprepared to do that, didn't feel like I was answering their questions real well. And they were looking at me like, like, leave me alone, man. Like, what are you doing? I'm just walking down the street and you're interrupting my day. So it was just this weird conversation. But cold turkey evangelism has its place. Uh, I actually know people who have found a relationship with Jesus because someone came up to them that they didn't know and just asked, hey, can I ask you, Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Or do you know where you're gonna spend eternity if you were to die today? So I have friends that have met Jesus because someone came up and asked them a question like that. Now, I know someone in my life that is really good at cold turkey evangelism, and that is my mom. And my mom is amazing at that. And whether she is going grocery shopping, going to the post office, even taking her car to the auto shop, she's always looking for opportunities to talk to anybody about Jesus. So some people are really good at it. Other people aren't, but it still can be effective if God leads us to do that. So that's cold turkey evangelism. The next is what I call osmosis evangelism. Now that's where like we are a Christ follower and we hope that people around us kind of pick up our evangelism vibes when they're in our presence. Like maybe we're working with somebody in our office and they're not a Christ follower, but we are. And we just kind of hope that our presence helps them to find Jesus in some way. We don't plan on using our words. We just plan on, you know, living a good life in front of them. Now, 
Uh, we should live a good life in front of people that don't know Jesus. Absolutely. But we have to add our words to it as well. At some point, we've got to get in a conversation with them about how to know Jesus and whether they know him or not. So I, I think the osmosis part is not all that effective where we just hope somebody picks it up and figures it out on their own. We've got to help them figure that out. So we've got to go to what I call the last strategy for evangelism, and that is relationship evangelism. That's where we build a relationship with somebody, and out of that relationship, we look for opportunities to point them to Jesus. And that's the main point of evangelism, is that we look for as many opportunities as possible to help somebody be transformed by the life of Jesus. Now, this is going to sound crazy, but I had my first evangelism experience when I was in around the third grade. So around the third grade, a friend of mine and I, we were out playing one day and I have no idea how we got into this conversation, but we started talking about Jesus. And I found out that my friend didn't know Jesus. He hadn't put his faith and trust in him. And so I adopted kind of the aggressive evangelism strategy. And I basically said to my friend, are you crazy? You don't know Jesus? That's craziness. And he was like, man, I didn't know that was craziness. So what does that mean to know Jesus? So I took him to my house, I got my Bible out and we started flipping through the Bible and I started looking for for the red letter pages. Here's what I knew at that age. The red letters represented what Jesus said. And so I was looking for what Jesus was saying. I had no idea what I was really doing to help this guy meet Jesus. I was just looking through the Bible to find something that would help him. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did know my friend needed Jesus. Now, thankfully, I'm really sure that my mom had a follow-up conversation with his mom and said, listen, if your son comes home and, and says some things about his interaction with Trent. Here's what happened. Let me explain that to you. So I'm sure my mom did the cleanup on the other side. And since then, I've learned a lot more about evangelism. And it's something I know that all of us need to learn how to do. So as we're learning that, as we're learning to share our faith with others, there's some important things for us to learn. First, we need to learn some critical Bible verses so that we can talk to people about Jesus from God's absolute truth of source of truth. And then we need to learn some Bible terms. And so I'm going to start with the Bible terms and then we'll get into the Bible verses. So for Bible terms, and, and the reason we're explaining some of these is because you'll find some of them in scripture, in the Bible verses that we'll be looking at, and it'll be good for us to know how to explain those things as we're talking to others about that. So I'm going to start with evangelism. That's a word I've already used a lot, but I want to break it down to its most simple definition. Evangelism basically means to share your faith with somebody else, to tell somebody else about Jesus. That's basically what that means. So if you're telling somebody at work about Jesus, you are in essence evangelizing them. That's what evangelism means. Now, these next two words I've put together, which are saved and salvation. So those are two words that are often interchangeable and you'll see them in some of the Bible verses that we're gonna be going over together today. But what that means is when somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their personal Lord and savior, that means when they die and they pass from this life into the next, then they are saved from hell and saved for heaven. 
So that means they'll get to spend an eternity with God because of that decision that they made to put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what saved means. That's what salvation means. And we'll dig into that in a little bit more. Eternal life is something that you'll find in scripture. And it means for us to live forever with God in a real place called heaven. The Bible actually teaches we're all gonna live forever. We're all gonna live forever either with God or we're gonna live forever apart from God. So living forever with God is called eternal life. Living forever apart from God is called eternal death. And people who don't put their faith and trust in Jesus will experience that eternal death. And God doesn't want that for anyone. That's why he offers eternal life to everyone. Now, this next word we're gonna define is a word that's, that's gotten confusing through the years. It's actually the word Christian. It shouldn't be a difficult word to define, but it has become that over the past 15, maybe 20 years. And the reason I think that is, is because America, uh, it was known as a Christian nation. And so there's a lot of people that think, you know what, I'm a Christian because I grew up in a Christian nation or because uh, I believe in God or because I go to church on occasion. So we can think that we're a Christian just because we've got the wrong definition of what that word really means. So what it means to be a Christian is that we have put our faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for our salvation or for our eternal life, that we understand there's nothing that we can do to gain eternal life. We can't be good enough for that, but we have to receive God's amazing grace that's offered through what Jesus did on the cross for us. And if we have done that, if we've made that decision, then that makes us a Christian. Now, again, today, there's a lot of people that are a little confused on that. So that's why I use the word Christ follower more often nowadays than I use the word Christian. And if I'm talking to somebody and trying to figure out if they are a Christian, I'll lean in, into that a little bit. And I'll ask, well, what makes you a Christian? Uh, tell me the events of you becoming a Christian. If somebody says anything about good works, well, I'm a good person, I believe in God, all that stuff leads down the wrong definition of the word Christian. Again, what it means to be a Christian is to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Last definition uh, for today is the word sin. So sin is a word that we don't like to talk about. Nobody likes to really address, but sin basically means anything big or small that separates our relationship with God or hurts our relationship with God. Again, it could be something small. It could be something big. Doesn't matter. All sin separates. That's what it does. And it separates us from the love of our amazing God. So those are some definitions that are helpful for us as we're engaging people in a conversation about faith and about Jesus. Now I'm going to go into some Bible verses and I'm going to talk about nine verses that I think all Christ followers should know. So I think we should write them down and have them readily available for us. But even better than that, I think we should memorize these so we have them in our mind when we're talking to somebody and we may not have our Bible with us, we can pull them out of the Bible that we have recorded in our minds. So I challenge you to memorize these nine verses that we're gonna go over today. They're, they're broken up into several different sections. So I've got six of them I'm gonna look at at first. It's called the Romans Road. Then we'll look at uh, the other three in another, another uh, section here. So the Romans Road, 
is based on six verses that come out of the book of Romans that the apostle Paul wrote. And they include Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9 and 10, and then Romans 10.13. And I'm going to go through these. So hopefully you're ready to write or type. I'm going to go through these and explain each of them to you. So Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And what that verse means is that everyone has sinned. So that means I, as a pastor, I've sinned. It means uh, priests have sinned. Other religious leaders have sinned. Your fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Whatever her name, it was the sweetest lady ever. You know what? Shocking, but she has sinned. Like we've all done something, again, big or small, to hurt our relationship with God and separate us from that relationship. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin or the penalty for sin is death. That's shocking. Nobody likes to read that, but that verse doesn't stop there. We got to keep going. That verse continues and it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So God says, listen, here's the deal. Because of your sin, someone needs to die. There's, there's death, there's a, a penalty for that. And that penalty is the ultimate price and it is death. But God says, listen, I've got a solution. I'll send my son, my son, my innocent, perfect son will die in your place. That is the free gift of God. That is so incredibly humbling to understand that God did that for us. And listen to when he did that for us. So this is Romans 5.8. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So God didn't wait for us to become good enough to send Jesus. God didn't wait for us to become worthy. He sent Jesus when we were at our worst. So when we were at our darkest, God loved us the most and sent Jesus to die for us. That shows his incredible love for each and every one of us. We get to Romans 10, nine and 10, and then verse 13. Verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's that word that we looked at earlier. Verse 10 says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Then verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we must confess that Jesus is our Lord and then we must believe that God raised him from the dead so that we could have eternal life. And then we have to understand that's available to anyone. It's not available to just certain people, not just religious people, not just wealthy people, not just people who do good things. It's available to anyone who wants to put their faith and trust in Jesus. That is what makes Christianity so amazing. That's the Romans road, six verses. I highly recommend you learn and memorize. Now, let me go on to the most famous Bible verse, I think, of all time. You've probably seen this Bible verse on a 
poster that was held up at a sporting event. And uh, I know we haven't been to sporting events lately, but one day in the near future, when we're back at sporting events, you will see that sign held up for other people to read. And this is what that verse says. It's John 3, 16. It says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Again, it's anyone. It's available to anyone. But here's the thing about God's amazing grace that's offered to us, his amazing love where he gives his one and only son on our benefit. We have to believe it to receive it. If we don't believe that Jesus died for us, if we don't believe that God loves us that much to send Jesus to die, if we don't believe that that Jesus rose from the grave uh, paying our sin debt on the cross, if we don't believe that, then we're not able to receive the gift of eternal life. So we have to believe it in order to receive it. That's John 3.16. There's two more verses that I think are very important for us to understand. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So salvation is not something that we can earn. We can't be good enough to earn salvation. If we could have been good enough, Jesus wouldn't have have needed to come to die in our place. So salvation is God's gift. It's an amazing gift based upon God's grace for us. And I think that's super important for us to know. Those verses are critical because there are a lot of people that think that they can be good enough to get to heaven. We can't be good enough. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of our works. It's not of our good deeds. We're not saved because we were a good enough person to be saved. We're saved because we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's what saves us. It's God's amazing grace. When we respond to that, that's what gives us eternal life. It's like what my mom says. My mom says about heaven that if we're counting on what we have done to get into heaven, we're out. But if we're counting on what Jesus has done for us, we're in. That's a great way to remember that. So those are the nine verses that I recommend every Christ follower learn and have readily available to them for those moments when we might be able to talk to somebody about a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, as we go through evangelism, we need to address the what if questions that come up. And these are questions that come up in our own mind, like, well, what if someone rejects me? Or or what if someone asks a question I don't have an answer for? Or what if somebody knows a whole lot more than I do and they want to debate me? Or what if somebody actually says, hey, I'd like that. I'd like to have a relationship with Jesus. Then what do I do? So let's talk about those each one at a time. So first let's talk about what if we are rejected? So what if somebody rejects you and you're trying to share your faith with them? It's not the worst thing in the world that could ever happen. If someone rejects you, that's really okay. Just continue to be like Jesus to them. Continue to love them and look for opportunities to point them back towards Jesus. Here's the reality. Everybody is just one crisis away 
from opening their mind and their heart to a relationship with Jesus. And those people that you may know that may be rejecting you today may face a crisis tomorrow or next week or next year, and they may be open. So continue to love them the way that Jesus would. What about this one? What if they have questions? That's something that scares a lot of Christ followers. If I start a conversation with somebody about Jesus and they have questions, I don't know how to answer them. Well, I'm gonna look stupid if I can't answer their questions. So maybe I just won't answer their questions or even start the conversation. So let me remind you that we all have questions and we don't know everything there is to know. Even as a pastor, I get people that ask me Bible questions all the time. And when I was beginning as a pastor, that used to bother me that I didn't have the answers for them possibly. But the longer I've been a pastor, I understand, you know what? I'll answer their questions when I get some research. I'll go and and dig deeper in scripture. I'll ask some other people a little, little farther down the road of their spiritual journey than I am that can give me some answers. And when I have those answers, then I can go and follow up with those people. So don't be afraid. If somebody asks you a question, you don't know the answer, say, great question. Let me go find out and then we'll continue this conversation on. And once you have that, then you have that answer for the next person that might ask you that same question. Here's one. What if they want to debate? And I've had that happen on several occasions where I started a conversation with somebody they knew quite a bit and they were ready to debate and they had some ammunition they wanted to use. So here's my practice. I don't like to debate people. I've found that I am not going to win somebody to Jesus because I out-debated them. Jesus said, the world will know that we are his disciples because of our love for others. And so I don't like to debate people. I love to discuss this with people. So if we can have a discussion, great. If we wanna get into an argument where it cycles into a big debate where where both sides are amped and animated and, and possibly getting angry about it, no thanks. Um, I'll put a timeout on that or a pause on that and we'll re-engage that at another time. Uh, So I don't prefer to debate people. I prefer to discuss this with people. And here's probably the scariest what if of all. So what if I'm talking to somebody about Jesus and they say, you know what? That sounds really good. I'd like a personal relationship with Jesus. What do we do then? Sometimes we think like, oh no, like should I call my pastor? Should I invite them to church where hopefully they'll be talking about salvation that day? Like what do we do to help somebody cross that final bridge of faith? Well, again, I think we as followers of Jesus should be prepared for that moment. And this should be the moment that we are most ready for because it is a special moment to lead people to Jesus. And so I'm going to walk you through what I call the ABC prayer of salvation, where you can lead somebody across that bridge of faith. And I don't know where that came from. I'm sure somebody came up with that, but I've been uh, tweaking it for the past number of years uh, in my own life and in ministry through evangelism. So I'm just going to walk you through what the ABC prayer of salvation is and how you can use it. So this is what it basically is. It's where we admit to God that we are sinners in need of a savior. We say, you know what? Like I admit, like I need Jesus as my savior. And then the B represents believing. I believe that Jesus is my savior who died so I can live. And then the C represents asking him to come into our life and then committing to follow him the rest of our days. So it's really A, B, C, C, but we've combined the two C's 
at the end of that. And so when I'm talking with somebody about that, and if they say, listen, I'm, I'm open to a relationship with Jesus, I'll explain the ABC prayer of salvation. I'll ask, like, do you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus today? If they say, you know what, I'm not quite ready yet. Great. So let's continue the conversation. But if they say, you know what, I think I'm ready. Then I'll ask them, would you like me to lead you in that prayer? Or would you like to say your own prayer? And I've seen people do both. Sometimes people say, you know what, would you lead me? Because uh, I've never really talked to God before. So will you help me do that? And it's a privilege to do that. Other times people say, you know what, I'll talk to him myself. And it's really cool when they do that as well. So if I'm leading somebody through that, I will say, listen, I'm just gonna pray this prayer. And there's nothing magical about these words. If you sincerely mean this, then God will understand what you're saying. He will hear your prayer. And then I will uh, pray through that first sentence of the ABC prayer of salvation and then ask them to pray the same thing. And then I'll pray through the second sentence, ask them to talk to God directly and say the same thing. And then I'll pray through the third and then we'll finish at the end and I'll say amen. And then I'll remind them of what that means. That means they are now a part of God's family. They've been adopted into God's family and that changes their day today and that changes their future forever where they now have a place where they belong. So after that, we need to teach them how to obey God's commands. That's what Jesus said. He said, go make disciples and then teach those new disciples how to obey the things that God asks us to obey. So that's where I would recommend we teach them the five G's. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to read the Bible and grow in their knowledge of scripture. A great place for them to start is in the book of John. We've talked about that several times in this series for them to read the book of John and get well acquainted with Jesus and then get them connected with a small group. And if they're a part of our church family, they could take our starting point small group. That would be a great environment for them to begin that journey of growing in their relationship with God. And then teach them what it means to give of their time, talents, and treasures to advance God's kingdom. And then teach them the fifth G, which is go. Uh, some of the, the best evangelists I've seen in my life are the, the people who just put their faith in Jesus. They're eager, they're ready, they're excited to tell their friends, their family members, the decision that they have made. So help them understand that they can be an evangelist right away. They can share their faith with, with other people right away. They don't have to wait for that. They can go tell other people what Jesus has done for them. Another important thing I think we need to do is help them to find a church home. Again, if you're around the Flagler County area, we would love to have you a part of our church family at Epic. Uh, but wherever you are around the world, you need to help people find a good church that can grow them in their relationship with God. And here's the reality. Christianity isn't a club for people who know a lot of religious information. Christianity is a family that we can belong to. It's God's family that we can belong to. And we need to remember that. It's not just about Bible knowledge. It's about a place that we can belong with relationships with God and other people that we can experience forever. Romans 10, 14 and 15. Let me close with these verses. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? 
And how will they, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So if you're a Christ follower, you have been sent by God wherever you go. And every time you put your shoes on, whether you're going to work, you're going to the gym, you're going to the beach, wherever you're going, I want you to think, I have been sent. And wherever I go today, I should look for opportunities to tell people about Jesus and how he has transformed my life. One of my favorite evangelism experiences happened in Guatemala several years ago. Several years ago, uh, we had uh, two teams that were gonna be there that summer like we typically do. And I had my family with me there and we were doing a house build for a woman named Carmen. And Carmen had uh, six kids, has six kids and um, just in a a really rough spot. You know, her home was made out of cornstalk walls and dirt floors and uh, she needed a home. And so we were there to build her a home. While we were building that home for her, I felt prompted by God to go over and have a conversation with her. And I got to tell you, I went through my own what ifs. Like, God, we've got the, this big cultural divide between us. What if she's like, yeah, you're an American. Like, uh, you know, you're, you've got everything going on well for you. Like, I don't want to hear about your God. I had all these what ifs going through my mind, but I just strongly felt like God said, go over there and talk to her. So I began a conversation with her just getting to know her and asking her about her life. And what I found is she's just like any of us. She had the same concerns and dreams and fears that many of us have. And so we got into a deeper conversation. I asked if she was a Christ follower and she, she said she wasn't. And I asked why she wasn't. And she said, I'm not because I can't be perfect. And she had this idea that she had to live this perfect life in order to follow Jesus. And that's what God expected. And so that's when I pulled out Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I explained that a relationship with God is not based upon our performance. It's based upon God's grace because we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. And so I asked, do you wanna have a relationship with a God of grace? She said, I'd love that, but she needed time to process it. So she started thinking about it. We ran into her several days later I went up and I asked uh, Carmen, I said, Carmen, have you thought about what we talked about last? She said, yes, I have. Said, do you want a relationship with a God of grace? She said, yes, I do. And so I gathered my family around and some other, uh, others of us were there from our Epic team. And I led her through the ABC prayer of salvation. It was a special moment for us. And afterwards, we gave her a big hug and welcomed her to the family of God. She was now our sister in Christ. And the really cool thing was, is that our second team that came several weeks later, they got to see her again and they got to invest in her some more and help her get grounded in growing in that new relationship. So we need to be looking for opportunities to share Christ with everyone everywhere, no matter whether we're going across the street or we're going across the world. So that is the 5G life. And that's the fifth G of us going to tell everybody about Jesus everywhere. But before we close today, I have one final question for you. And it's this, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in him, in him alone 
for your eternal life. If you have, great, you're a part of God's family. So are you helping other people join God's family as well? That's the assignment God has for us. That's his go command where we go tell everybody everywhere. But if you haven't made that decision, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you could do that right now. Right now, whether you're at home or wherever you are, this could be a holy moment for you when you have a conversation with the creator of the universe who is listening, who is waiting, who is eager to have this conversation with you. So I'm gonna guide you, again, through the ABC prayer of salvation. It's simple. And let me tell you, like I tell everybody all the time, this isn't the secret code. These aren't the magic words. You could pray these words every day for the rest of your life and it mean nothing for you for all of eternity if you don't mean it or you don't believe it. You could pray something like this and it mean everything for you for the rest of your existence because you believed that Jesus died so you can live. So I'm gonna guide you through this. And this is gonna sound crazy, but you don't need to close your eyes and bow your head to do that. You can if you want to. You can look at the screen. And on the screen here, we're gonna have those words come up. So I'm just gonna guide you through this and I'm gonna pray it. And as I pray it, you pray it in response directly to God. God's listening right now, if you're ready. So here's how that prayer goes. God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe Jesus is that savior who died so I can live. And I ask you to come into my life as my Lord and savior. And today I commit to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've just prayed that prayer today for the first time in your life, let me say congratulations and welcome to the family of God. You've just made the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And here's what I encourage you to do. If you would, just reach out to us and let us know of the decision that you've made. You can reach out to us on Facebook. You can reach out to us by emailing us at info at theepicchurch.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to make sure that you have the resources you need to grow in this new relationship that you have. So everybody, thanks for being with us throughout this entire series. It's been a real privilege to, to walk through the five G's with you and help us all grow in a deeper relationship with God. So let me pray and then we'll be finished for today. So God, I thank you so much for the five G's that are found in scripture that we can apply to our life on a regular basis. So Lord, I pray for those of us who are Christ followers, Lord, that we would engage those five G's daily and continue to grow a strong relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those who are on the fence, maybe those that haven't made that decision yet to follow you. Lord, I pray that, that they would process this information, get the answers that they need for the questions that they have so that they too one day could step into a relationship with you. And I'm so grateful for those today who may have made that decision. And Lord, I pray for them that you would help them get connected with a good church home that can help them grow in that relationship. Thanks for loving us the way that you do. Thanks for your amazing grace that you offer to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for being a part of this with us today, everybody. Have a great week.